Hello, and welcome to the Dance Physio Podcast, a podcast designed to explore ideas and foster discussion around dancer health and wellness. We're here to challenge the status quo, bridge the gap between dance science and the studio, and help change the landscape of the dance industry for the better. I'm your host, Erica Mayall, a dancer turned physiotherapist who is deeply passionate about leaving the dance world better than I found it. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Dance Physio Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Today, we are going to be wrapping up our little mini-series on flexibility for dancers. So this is the fourth part of sort of this four-part little mini-series. If you haven't listened to the other three episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen to those ones. Um, Even if you don't listen to them in order, I think it's still worthwhile to go back and sort of listen to those, and it probably does make the most sense to listen to them in order. Um, So in the first part, I believe that was episode 10 of the podcast, we talked about the difference between flexibility and mobility and differentiating them so that when we are talking about those with dancers, we know exactly what we're talking about and what the difference is. In the second part of the miniseries, we talked about overstretching and kind of what the downfalls and potential uh, risk factors are involved with overstretching. In the last episode, we talked about the nervous system's role in mobility or in flexibility training. And really, the nervous system has been a pretty common theme throughout all of these episodes in this little mini series on flexibility. And we're going to be diving a little bit more into that today because today, for episode 14, we are going to talk all about active mobility. And active mobility is just one of the ways that we can help address the nervous system component of mobility. And that will make more sense when we kind of dive into this in the next couple of minutes. Um, But just before we get started, I wanted to say this little mini series has been really fun to put together to have sort of a few episodes in a row on a common theme. So if you have requests or ideas or suggestions of other little potential mini series topics that you'd like to see or to hear, I guess I should say more accurately, please reach out and let me know. I would be more than happy to consider them. Um, So if you think there's a topic that's maybe a little bit too much to cover in one podcast, it's pretty fun to put together these little like sort of mini series on a particular topic or a particular theme. Also, along that same line, it does not have to be a mini series suggestion, but if there's anything that you're just like really, really curious to learn more about, something you're wanting to hear about on the podcast, please reach out. Let me know. I am more than happy to add it to my list of topics and um, requests for podcast episodes. And likewise, if there's somebody that you would love me to have a conversation with, please reach out and let me know. I am starting to record some guest episodes to bring on other people people from within the dance industry to really just expand our um, reach and really start to create more community within the podcast. So if you have suggestions of that or somebody that you're just like dying to hear on the podcast, let me know and I will do my best to see if we can make that happen. So we are going to dive into active mobility today. And like I said, the kind of common theme running throughout this little mini series is 
the role of the nervous system when it comes to flexibility in dancers or more accurately when it comes to mobility in dancers. And so we discussed in the last episode how really we need to prioritize making the nervous system feel safe in order to be able to access our fullest mobility or access all of our mobility available to us. And so one of the ways that we can do this and one of the most effective ways of doing this is by utilizing what we call active mobility. And it really just helps to promote sort of that nervous system safety. So active mobility is not all that different from mobility. If you remember back to the episode where we talked about the difference between mobility and flexibility, mobility is the ability to move a joint through a specific range of motion. And active mobility is just the ability of a joint to move actively through a specific range of motion. So the key there is that it has to do with active movement. So it's being able to control a movement through a specific range of motion. So if we're thinking about more passive ways of getting into a specific position or to move a joint in a specific way, so that might be um, an easy example would just be like, say, sitting in the splits or doing a stretch where you're using maybe like a stretching strap or something. So there's like an external force and that external force could even just be gravity, but it's more of a passive kind of way of getting into or moving those joints through that range of motion. That would be just general mobility or more passive mobility. And then when we're thinking about the active mobility, it's really using the muscles that support the joint that we're moving to move through that. So the easiest way of sort of thinking about this is really thinking about the control aspect. And so it's being able to move through specific ranges of motion with control. And what we see often in dancers is that we will often see a bit of a mismatch between their active mobility, so their ability to control through a specific range, and their passive mobility, so their ability to get into these positions or movements, but not necessarily be able to control those movements. And we talked about this a little bit in the um, episode on turnout, where we talked about that difference between how much turnout someone may have available in their hip joints, or like that range available to them, versus the amount of turnout they can control or the amount of turnout they can access through their own sort of musculature, their strength, as we would generally call it. So like I said, in the dance world, we often see dancers who have big amounts of sort of passive flexibility available to them, but they lack the ability to control it. And especially at these end ranges. And these are the dancers I see them in the clinic commonly where they'll come in and say they want to work on, and usually the language they use is they're like, oh, I want to work on like my extension height, or I want to work on getting my legs higher or things like that. But when you start to kind of ask them a little bit more about it or kind of start to pick that apart, it's often dancers who are like, oh, when I kick my leg, I can kick my leg really high, but when I have to do it slowly, like if I'm doing a développé or something like that, I can't actually get it high. Or an example that we use really commonly is, I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with dancers when we do like like kind of like shoulder the leg. So that's where you kind of grab onto your foot and you bring your leg up and you're using your arm to bring your leg up by your ear. 
Um, so kind of doing that, like shouldering the leg position. And then if you let go of it, so you take your hand away and the leg often drops like a fairly considerable amount. And the amount that that drops is what we would consider the difference between the passive flexibility or mobility available to a dancer and what they can actively control. And in dance and like especially certain styles of dance, like where we're doing faster movements, maybe more explosive, more powerful movements, the way dancers often get into those positions is using momentum. And so if we're thinking about like kicking our leg high or even if with jumps and things like that, we can see things that look really impressive and look like we have really huge amounts of mobility within certain like steps or moves or things that they're doing in a dance. But if we break that down and try and slow it down, dancers are often lacking the control through those specific movement patterns. And if we are lacking that control over and over and over again, but we're somehow going into those positions, either using momentum or using compensations or things like that, that can eventually start to make the nervous system feel unsafe. So again, the nervous system's job is to keep us alive. And the number one thing it craves is this feeling of safety. And if it's constantly going into these positions that it feels are uncontrolled or potentially unsafe, it can actually start to kind of guard against those movements. So that's why we want dancers to be able to control their movement through their entire range of motion available to them. And this is especially important right at those end ranges. And so what we'll often see is dancers who might have fairly large amounts of passive mobility. So we would call these dancers sort of quote unquote flexible or naturally flexible sometimes. So they might be able to achieve these pretty extreme ranges of motion. And in certain positions or in certain movement patterns, they might be relatively strong. And so if we're getting them to do movements in more of like kind of mid ranges, so not necessarily at their end of range, they actually might be pretty strong and pretty controlled. But when we start to take them to the end ranges of these movements and then look at their strength in those positions, we often see a lack of strength and control in those positions. And this is, I think, also one of the reasons if we um, think back to one of the really early podcast episodes that I did that was sort of the importance of dancers seeing a dance-specific physio or just accessing dance-specific healthcare. This is one of the biggest reasons why I think it makes a difference if you see somebody who understands dance versus seeing kind of just like a general healthcare practitioner, because they often miss that end range piece of assessment. So they might look at a dancer and they might look at their strength in kind of more pedestrian type movements or everyday movements. So they might look at their ability to do squats and lunges and things like that. And those are absolutely important movement patterns. And we want our dancers to be able to do those movement patterns. And we want them to be able to be strong in those movement patterns. But if we are never looking at their control in the ranges that they are working in day to day, we're missing that big piece of the puzzle. And that's often where that nervous system ends up feeling unsafe. And so this is where active mobility helps to kind of bridge that gap, because then we're going to be able to go through the full range of motion that a dancer has available to them 
and be able to control through that and really work on that strength in the end ranges and controlling those movements. So I'll try and give you a couple of examples. It's a little bit hard to describe these. It's always easier with a visual platform. But when we're thinking about, okay, what types of movements or exercises or kind of yeah, movements can we do that sort of promote more of this active mobility? Um, I will try and talk you through a couple of examples. So one of those, like we were talking about before, that sort of shouldering of the leg, this is a good example here. So we have that passive mobility of a dancer being able to like kind of shoulder their leg and maybe they can get their leg up like quite high. So they're getting their leg like up somewhere near their ear, let's say. So they're pretty flexible, kind of naturally, fairly mobile. But when they let go of their leg, it drops down to maybe like just above 90 degrees. And if we ask them to try and get into that movement without using their hand, so a slow controlled way of getting into that movement, so a développé would be a good example, or you could even just do like a brush from the ground, so just straight leg like they're bringing their leg up as if they were going to do like a kick or a grand battement, but kind of in slow motion they can probably get to about that same position. So, you know, if they're developing, they can get to that sort of just over 90 degree mark. But if we look at, okay, where was their leg um, when they were shouldering it, they actually have a whole lot more mobility available to them compared to that sort of 90 or just above 90 degree position where they can control and hold that. So we would look at that as that differential between their active and their passive movement. So their passive movement is kind of up by their ear. Their active movement might be down kind of more like 90 or just above 90. So we want to start to bridge that gap. And in order for us to do that, we need to start to strengthen within those ranges. And so for this dancer, if they're sort of thinking about improving their mobility or working on their extensions or whatever language it is that they're using that they're wanting to work on, oftentimes they come in and they say, oh, I just need to like stretch more because I need to be able to get my leg higher. But in reality, if they can shoulder their leg and get it up near their ear, flexibility is not their issue. Their issue is a strength issue. Their issue is being able to control it in those end ranges of motion. So doing more stretching and what we'll often see is they come in and they're like, oh, I'm like doing my splits and I practice shouldering my leg and I use a strap and I hang out in that position and they're doing all sorts to try and kind of stretch into these higher leg positions. But in reality, we need strengthening in those positions. And so we want to start to strengthen them where they can control it. So in this example, if they can control it kind of at 90 or just above 90, we're going to start to work on building strength from those positions. And we can be creative about this. Like there's no sort of set, you have to do this strengthening exercise or whatever it happens to be. But that's the position we want to start to work them in. And then as they start to build strength and control in those movements, they're going to be able to get their leg higher and higher and we continue to work it into their higher ranges of motion. And that's not to say we have to do this in the exact same position. So in this example, one of the positions will often work um, on sort of that type of control in terms of like height and extensions is I'll often work with dancers in a sideline position. So if we get a dancer lying on one side, they can then start to work that sort of develop type movement, we'll call it, 
in a position where they're not working quite so hard against gravity. So they can start to really make sure that their placement is correct. They're getting good control through like the head of the femur as they're going into these movements. We're not kind of going to be gripping or getting impingement in the hip and all of these types of things. But then we can start to work strength in those positions. And so one of the easiest ways to start working strength in these positions is often using like resistance bands so they can start to feel the control in these positions and then working into higher ranges or coming into other positions we eventually do need to work them against gravity so I'm not going to always have an answer in like a sideline position because we do want to eventually work them against gravity and we also eventually will probably graduate away from bands and work more with other types of resistance training or we may just actually focus more on body weight depending on what it is we are looking at but the whole premise of this and with active mobility is that we are strengthening and controlling the movement throughout the entire range available to the dancer and especially at those end ranges. This also translates a little bit into some of the more traditional stretching that we're used to seeing. So if we think about just kind of like traditional stretches that we do in pretty much every dance class across the country where you have dancers who are stretching their hamstrings or stretching their hip flexors or whatever it is that they're stretching, we often encourage dancers to kind of like relax into those positions. And you'll hear people use a lot of that like kind of cueing, like relax and, you know, just breathe into it and let let go and that type of language and that type of cueing. And on one hand, I know where that is coming from. And potentially people are trying to get people like, a little bit more regulated in their nervous system and so kind of tapping into a little bit more of that parasympathetic side of the nervous system by like using cues like that. But in reality, we don't want our dancers to be completely relaxed even when they're doing more static stretching because we want the muscles surrounding the joints that we are stretching to be engaged and be active so that they are controlling that movement. And again, that's a way that the nervous system is going to feel safer and it's not going to feel like this kind of uncontrolled and scary position that they're going into. So does the entire body need to be tensed up and every muscle activated? Absolutely not. But do we want every muscle to be relaxed? No, not necessarily. We often want certain muscles around an area to be engaged. So you know, if we're working on, I don't know, say splits or something like that, muscles around the hip are going to be engaged in certain patterns to be able to support that hip joint so that dancers aren't just kind of hanging off of their ligaments. And we talked about this a little bit in the overstretching episode that we don't want all of that passive force going through the ligaments and creating um, these you know, sort of permanent changes in the like resting length of the ligaments. We want the muscles to be active and engaged and supporting those joint structures so that we can control that mobility in a safe way. So these are just a few examples. Like I said, it's a little bit tricky, like over an um, audio medium to kind of convey some of these examples. But this idea of being able to control and own those end range movements I love active mobility and feel like it's a really, really amazing thing to add into dance conditioning classes, especially if you have, you know, like a stretch and strength class. But even if you're just working on some mobility stuff in a regular dance class, or if you have a tech class that focuses on a little bit more of that, 
because it's often a really nice sort of like playing field leveler for dancers. Because I'm sure, especially if you're a teacher, you've all experienced the dancers who are kind of naturally fairly mobile or fairly flexible. They go into those classes and you're sort of like taking them through stretches and they're just like, I don't feel anything. I don't feel a stretch here. What should I be doing? I can't feel this, like that type of feedback. They get a bit bored by it and they're often kind of checked out because they're just like going through the motions, but they're not necessarily getting a whole lot out of it. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have these dancers who are maybe not so kind of naturally mobile or maybe are struggling a little bit more with this and they're just getting defeated because they're like trying so so hard and they just oftentimes aren't seeing a whole lot of progress or it's just so much more difficult for them to like feel successful in those types of stretches they're still like I'm still a foot off the ground in my splits or what what have you And when you start to implement some of this active mobility stuff where you're really challenging dancers to try and close that gap between their passive and active range of motion, it's really quite humbling for some of those naturally flexible dancers because what you'll often see is they often have quite a large gap between their passive and their active mobility. And in those dancers who are maybe a little bit less naturally flexible, they often have a much smaller gap between those two extremes. And so all of a sudden, stuff that was like maybe really challenging for them that was more of that sort of traditional passive stretching becomes a little bit easier or they feel more successful successful with it because they're actually able to control through potentially even their whole range of motion. And these dancers who before weren't necessarily getting a whole lot of benefit of some of the more traditional static stretching practices, all of a sudden are gaining so much more benefit from having to do this more actively and really build up a little bit more strength in those positions. So I'm not at all saying that like that sort of more passive or static stretching practices, like the kind of more passive or um, yeah, sort of passive stretching that we're used to in the dance world. I'm not saying that we should never, ever be doing those, but I am saying that we really need to consider making sure that we're also including more of this active mobility where we're really controlling and owning the movement through that full range of movement. And so it's not necessarily an either or, it's probably more of an and, and so we're really kind of like being safe about what we're doing. And what you will often see is when you start to implement more of this active mobility, you actually see progress faster in dancers because the dancers who need more strength are going to get that and they're going to be able to control and sort of match their passive and active mobility a little bit more closely. And the dancers who have maybe struggled to make progress with their mobility, their nervous systems are going to feel safer and they're going to feel more... Um, they're going to feel like their progress is happening faster as their nervous system feels safer and is allowing for more of that mobility to happen within their body. So like I said, it's not to say that we have to throw out every single one of our kind of like more traditional stretching practices or things that we were used to doing, but we just want to make sure that we are also uh, incorporating this kind of more active mobility side of things in addition to. And 
there can be arguments made for, you know, doing different things in different parts of classes and stuff like that. And I'm not going to get into that on today's episode, but oftentimes we will maybe see people use a little bit more of this like active flexibility earlier on in a class, maybe like right after the warm up or something, and then save a little bit more of the kind of static stretching type practices for the end of class when dancers are sort of already have been warm and are maybe cooling down or using it for that type of thing in through there. So I hope that that has made things a little bit more clear in terms of active mobility and what it is and why it is important for dancers. I will, over the next little bit, try and do some social media posts with just some examples of exercises that we could maybe swap out or how we can make a more traditional static stretch a little bit more into an active mobility exercise just to give you a better idea. So if you're more of like a visual learner and you need those visuals to like kind of be able to see, okay, how do I turn this movement into a more active movement? Um, give me a follow on Instagram. If you are not already following me, it is Dance Physio Erica, and I will try and post a few videos over the next little while, um, and I'll hashtag them active mobility. So you can also search the hashtag active mobility if you want to be able to find some examples of that. I also am going to be um, running a new kind of flexibility program coming up. I do not have all of the details of it yet. It will be running later this spring. It is going to be for dance teachers, and it's going to cover a lot of this stuff in terms of um, sort of active mobility and how do we incorporate it into class and things like that. So if that's something that sounds interesting to you and it's something you want to learn more about, um, I have a bit of a wait list going, or you can put yourself on my email list for my email newsletter because uh, my email list always hears about things first. Um, and I will put both of that in the show notes. So a link to sign up for the newsletter as well as a link to add your name to the wait list if you specifically want to know about this kind of upcoming flexibility program. Like I said, if you have suggestions for further podcasts, and especially if there's sort of something that you think might be a little bit of like a mini series, I would love to hear it. Um, and so reach out, send me a DM, send me an email. I love hearing all of your feedback. It's been so fantastic to connect with people over the podcast. And I'm going to wrap it up and leave it at that. So thank you so much for joining me for this flexibility mini series. It has been so much fun to put together and I hope that it's like opened people's eyes a little bit and giving you a bit of food for thought in terms of how we approach flexibility within the dance world and ways that we can think about potentially keeping our dancers safer while still achieving the degrees of mobility that are expected within the dance world for dancers to perform at their highest level. So thank you so much for listening today and I will see you here back next week with a new podcast episode. Have a great rest of your day. Bye.